Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Spock. With our two stories. We tell them live. And we tell them across the UK. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Spark on Call. Will you please welcome your host for tonight, Charlie! Tonight, excitingly, a little bit of a twist on our normal format in that we have a collaboration with Romantic Misadventures. Give us a cheer if you've been to Romantic Misadventures before. Yeah, slightly more people as well. Good, it's, it's not a competition, though. I'm going to bring on to the stage, actually, who better to describe what Romantic Misadventures is than the founder and maestro, that's what I'm calling you. Please welcome to the stage, Kit Lovelace, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Hey. Founder and maestro, I'm going to have to update the website. <laughs> founder uh, and maestro. Tell us, what is Romantic Misadventures? Romantic Misadventures is uh, a night... It was described by somebody as uh, being about people who are fucking rubbish at love. Uh, it is... And I've never found anyone describe anything more accurately. It is... Uh, it's people telling bad dating stories, um, essentially. Occasionally something a little saucier. Right. We may even get a touch of that later. Who Good. knows? Up to that. Uh, but, yeah, it's that. It's people... Uh, Behaving like uh, love-struck and loons and doing inadvisable things. So uh, I've brought along with me some people uh, who have told stories at Romantic Misadventure before who are going to uh, lay bare their souls for you. Fantastic. Um, leave you to do with them as you will. To kick us off, I think the best thing to do is pass over to the wonderful maestro. That's your name for the rest of the night, <laughs> right. um, uh, To tell the first story uh, about... First dates. Please give it up for Kit Lovelace, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm not a particularly uh, impulsive person. If I have got the chance to put something off and take a good sort of three hours to mentally assess the possible outcome of every decision I feasibly take in any situation rather than actually do anything, then that's what I'll do. I, I love to do that. I will move heaven and earth to sit and think. Uh, I'm a real thinker, not much of a doer. Uh, and a lot of my uh, favourite memories are, in fact, purely imagined. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I really in, enjoy it. But uh, on my first date with Elena, uh, something changed. Uh, we went for dinner, 
And we had a conversation, unlike a, a conversation I've ever had uh, ever before. We, we spoke for three hours without really drawing breath. We chased tangents wherever they came. Uh, we had reserves of conversation left for like future months to come. We touched on so many subjects that we were like, I must tell you about this, we must talk about this. I can't believe you think that, I think exactly the same thing. It was happening constantly. Um, and uh, she went for a cigarette. And I later found out quite how well the date had gone because she had such an appalling smoking habit. She could never take a flight anywhere because she couldn't not smoke on the plane. Um, she left for a cigarette. I think maybe I was thinking for 15 seconds, which given my usual three-hour quota, was incredibly swift for me. I thought, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I followed her out, and I saw her there, stood against the wall, breathing out. She had a terrible sinus problem, which made her a bit of an expert <laughs> at uh, exhaling. So she was doing masterful things with the smoke. And I thought, I'm going to move in, I'm going to do this. So I looked at her, I walked towards her, closed my eyes, and put my face towards hers. I took a long time to reach hers. <laughs> it's a bit like diving off the top board in a swimming pool. You know the water's there, and you know it's coming. And just sort of a second or two where you think, I kind of should have hit something by now. <laughs> I found her lips. We kissed. And it was good. It was amazing. And after about 30 clicks of the jaw, <laughs> we, uh, we pulled apart. And she breathed in a very slow, seductive breath, which was also part of the sinus problems. <laughs> but right then, it, it really melted my heart. And she said, fuck coffee. Let's get out of here. Now, what happened after that was a real adrenaline-filled blur. Uh, I, that was about as much day-seizing as I thought I had to do. Uh, I was really content with that date as it was. thought that's a nice little memory. I'll keep it at that. I was bold. I did it. Uh, but I'd awakened something in Elena. And uh, I, I was dr drifting by on, on, on pure fear. Um, the next thing I remember was us standing at Dalston Kingland uh, train station, waiting uh, on the blustery platform. It was quite cold, so Elena put her hands inside my jacket and was resting her head on my chest. And uh, I thought, well, I'm doing pretty well here. Maybe I should go with my instincts. And I, uh, I started to sort of twirl my, my finger in her hair a bit. <laughs> sort of a little bit of a... Like a vigorous, not too vigorous, but like a, uh, a shampoo wash you might get and, and enthusiastic hairdressers. So I was doing that and uh, she sort of breathed out and it, it went through my shirt and it made all the muscles in my chest tighten and I thought, Ooh, don't, let any, don't show anyone how ticklish you are on a first date, that's a really bad move. Uh, I thought, this is being quite well received, okay, this is going. So I sort of took it up a gear and her head moved from my, my chest to my stomach. I thought, okay. Um. This isn't very comfortable for me, physically and sort of socially. But I guess this is what she wants to do. And uh, kept going a bit more. And then uh, her head moved down again. Her chin sort of caught on the belt of my trousers. 
I thought, okay, right, no, this can't happen. Uh, so I said, uh, Elena? Elena? I had to stick my leg out to stop her from hitting the ground completely. Uh, I managed to break her fall slightly. She passed out cold, completely comatose, blacked out. And my only thought was, oh, fuck, what's first aid in French? Um, I was trying to rouse her, wondering if I need to put her in the emergency position or, or leave her on her back or whether I talk to her and try to bring her around. Or... Thankfully, um, a couple of bystanders came uh, to my aid, uh, curious as to what may have gone on, uh, possibly understandably, and um, they ran off to get help. Uh, and I just looked at her thinking, how am I going to explain this to her father? She's died on my watch. Like, <laughs> I whispered in her, I said, Elena, 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 Elena. <laughs> and she stared. I thought, oh God, thank God. And she came up. I said, it's okay, listen. You, you fainted, you passed out. You're with me, you're safe. Uh, you're okay. You're okay. Uh, are you actually okay? So, uh, what happened? And I explained again, you've blacked out. Don't worry, safe. Tried to get her up onto her feet. And I thought maybe I pulled her up a bit too vigorously, that I sort of got onto her feet when she wasn't quite ready for it. I thought she was about to fall over. So I grabbed her, and I realized what actually was happening was she was trying to kiss me. So I wrapped her up in a sort of brotherly hug, and we're like, oh, hey, hey, hey. Cool, cool, you're standing again, great, nice. And from that moment on, I was completely rattled. She wondered what was wrong with me for not wanting to kiss her back. I wondered what was wrong with her, blacking out just without any provocation, really. I think, medic I think medically, I was sort of more right to be concerned. Um, and I said, listen, I'm going to take you home. That's what needs to happen. You need to go home. She was staying with people. I said, you'll be safe there. She said, no, I want to get a drink. <laughs> now, a sensible person will put their foot down and say, listen, I know this was embarrassing for you, and I know making a big deal out of medical things is not really cool. Like, it is liable to make you feel a little bit embarrassed. But I must stress, you did black out. We need to go home. Instead, I took her to a bar, talked to her about the Eurovision Song Contest unendingly for 40 minutes, and then took her home. There was no second date. Thank you very much. Hit Lovelace, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, that was no second date, reminding us of the uh, forms that you have on your desks. The question being, in keeping with the theme, why did you decide not to go on a second date? And this is a lovely one. Thank you for the person that brought this one in. On the first date, when I was cleaning the floor after dropping something, she crawled up behind me and bit my arse. <laughs> so thank you for whoever set that one in. Kit, you have aligned uh, the next storyteller for us from Romantic Misadventures. Please introduce him. Her. I have. I will. Her, indeed. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, a very, very good friend of mine, 
housemaid. Uh, impresses everybody that she ever meets. Um, I love her dearly. I'm absolutely certain that you will too. Uh, a big round of applause for my dear friend, Nell Frizzell. I am, I impress everyone by living with this guy. Um, <laughs> I am here to tell you tonight a story of love and blood and wine and ferries and travelodges and novelty pencils. So strap in. Uh, this, is <laughs> this is a story about how I fell in love with a man I first met in a nunnery. I'm not religious. But, so I was in this nunnery in West London. Who goes there? Uh, Surrounded by kind of nipple-height Italian nuns and a sort of pervasive smell of instant coffee and cabbage and what may or may not have been piss. And suddenly this man walks in like like the Quaker Oats box made flesh. It's very exciting. And he said a line that, drew me in straight away, he said, would, uh, would anyone like a cup of tea? And I said, oh, that'd be lovely. And he said, I'll be mother in a nunnery. I like it. Uh, and <laughs> it all come about because he had, um, he had emailed me uh, a few days earlier on an email address that literally only existed for about three weeks while I was doing cover at a magazine, uh, saying, would you like to come to Calais and interview, uh, interview Eritrean refugees? Obviously, I would. So I said yes. We were going with a religious group, hence the nunnery. Uh, So I turned up not really knowing who this guy was or what was happening. A nun gets out a hymn book and a magnifying glass and starts singing a cappella, a hymn I have never heard before, and everyone else joins in, and I feel like I'm looking at Sherlock Holmes the wrong way through a telescope while someone plays a saw behind me. That's, I mean, that's almost exactly what was happening. So I was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> Cut to two days later, and we were driving to Calais in the back of a navy blue Volvo. I had like 15 boxes of injera on my lap. Injera, for those of you don't know is what you eat when there's no like edible stomach lining around so you use it it's great it's actually delicious and we were gonna give food to all these people because it was Eritrea New Year and blah 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 and obviously like a refugee camp is not the most romantic situation we we romance was at the back of my mind as we walked around and that you know it was a place full of mud and tarpaulin and trauma and me and this Eritrean guy Danny walked around and we talked about trainers and phone cards and how shit Lipton tea is, because everyone knows that wherever you are in the world. And then I still wasn't thinking about romance. Nine, well, sort of 12 hours later as we drove back into London and we went past, uh, you know, that like palace of human suffering near the Blackwall Tunnel that is a Nando's, an Odeon and a Travelodge. <laughs> so we were, we were driving past there and without thinking, I went... You know what? I would go on a date with any man who invited me for Nando's, the Odeon, and then polyester sex in a travelodge. <laughs> and forgetting that I had two staunchly Catholic Eritreans in front of me driving, and uh, a man I barely knew, the oak guy, who remained completely silent. I was like, ah, oh, this is going well. Uh, And so then, anyway, so we got out of the car, and I hadn't really thought about it, but the oat guy emailed me a couple of days later saying, 
maybe we should go for a debrief. If you're going to write about this stuff, you might get you know, people on Twitter commenting. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. At this point, I was dating a man who Kit described as the kind of guy who'd watch songs of praise for the music. <laughs> so I thought, hey, why not? Why not? I'll go, I'll meet him. Let's just check out the rest of the brass section. So we decided to meet uh, at Bethel Green Tube Station because uh, I am as indecisive as I am buff and he had suggested it. So I was like, sure. Uh, and we were, and it was all going fine until we were, I realised that we were walking away from all the bars and restaurants and pubs towards a dark alley behind a mini cab firm. And I turned and I was like, where, where are we going with the strains of Michael Burke in 999, like ringing in my ears? And he was like, oh, just, it's just somewhere down here. And I looked, we got to a side road and there was a travelodge. He had phoned ahead and asked to reserve a table in the bar of a travelodge. And apparently the woman went, okay, are you staying here? And he was like, no. She went, what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, I just want to reserve a table to go for a drink. She was like, here? He was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, this is a travel lodge. She was like, I know. So then we turned up and, it, you know, it was super romantic. There, like, we sat beside a pyramid display of miniature cereal boxes and the like, smell of microwave curry. And there was a couple who clearly didn't love each other anymore on a white, clean maroon sofa watching a huge telly. And a paper salesman from Newcastle was propping up the bar. And I was like, this guy is great. <laughs> so then I got really pissed. Like, super-duper pissed. So drunk that I left my bag in a pub with my purse and keys and all of my worldly belongings. And uh, the, luckily, the oat man was kind enough to put me in a cab and take me back home. And I phoned Kit and was like, I'm coming home, you've got to let me in. And so we stumbled through, and in the corridor, apparently, with this man, he came in with me, to, probably to check I was okay, and I went, this is my husband. <laughs> pointed at Kit and then just walked straight through to my bedroom and uh, Kit kindly went I'm not her husband I'm just her housemate and lovely to meet you because as you've seen he's that guy uh, and, I, so, and I was on the corner of my bed undoing my shoes like someone playing slide guitar on a lawnmower and uh, oh and that I had decided before going on that day like I was dating someone I was not going to have sex with this guy I was going to be demure I was going to be cool. I was not going to have sex. It's a first date. So, as women do, I didn't shave my legs. Insurance policy. I didn't shave my armpits. Insurance policy. I was also two days into quite a heavy period. And I was like, this is done. It's fine. No! <laughs> I had so much sex with that man. <laughs> <laughs> so much sex that I woke up in what looked like a murder scene. <laughs> I had no purse, no keys, no bag. There was blood everywhere. And I turned, I turned to him and said, Nick, I think I'm in love with you. And that man, that afternoon, went home and booked two train tickets to Berlin for my birthday, and we've been together ever since. <laughs>
Also, also, his mum had her civil partnership in this very room a couple of years ago, and she lives over the road, so God, let's hope she's not here. <laughs> now, ladies and gentlemen, how good was that? What a good story. Well, that really, I think, I think I heard someone say, I think we've set the tone. <laughs> that, is, that is the tone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Thank you so much for telling that story and sharing that with us. And um, thank you. More more stories from you. Um, why did you decide not to go on a second date? He brought his mum, dad, and sister on the first date. <laughs> and they wanted me to go to the bridesmaids fitting for their nephew's wedding <laughs> in 2017. <laughs> Wow, thank you for that contribution. Um, why did you decide not to go on a second date? First date with a guy from Match.com. Had a few glasses of wine. He was nice, but I didn't really fancy him. I'd be friendly and chatty. Perhaps this had been inter interpreted as flirting. It wasn't meant to be. We left the pub, walking through Covent Garden, when he fully snogged me! Exclamation <laughs> mark. So it reads like my teenage diary. <laughs> Shocked, I didn't pull away initially, but did eventually. He then tried to take me home with him. I did, underline, not want to go. But he kept trying to persuade me. I kept saying, I have a meeting in the morning. <laughs> Finally, he pulls me towards him and whispers in my ear, I promise to go down. <laughs> At this point, I ran away and never saw him again. Thank you very much for that one. Round of applause for that one. Why did you decide not to go on a second date? For the entire date, the girl spelled out the last word in every sentence. <laughs> S-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T
CE. Apparently, everyone else told her that it was fun. F-U-N. <laughs> amazing, the sort of people. Uh, amazing, right. And finally, one nice, nice little short one here. Uh, why did he decide not to go on the second date? His hips were too bony. <laughs> each their own, each their own. Thank you. Keep them coming, keep them coming, guys. It's really nice to hear your stories. Um, Kit, would you like to introduce the next storyteller? Yes, indeed. A delightful person, musically gifted, uh, charming, Canadian, pretty much the entire package. Uh, how she has any terrible dating stories, I will never know. Uh, but I'm pleased that she does, and you will be too. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Brie O'Keefe. Hi. I joined a website called Killing Kittens. <laughs> Which, if you are North American like me, um, I'll explain. Uh, apparently this is a euphemism for wanking. Um, <laughs> this is a cautionary tale. I, I did this in, uh, as most romantic misadventure stories are, I think you're realizing now. I joined this uh, website in 2010. I, the general election was looming. I think I was about 29 years old. And I was ready for adventure, but I was also very lazy. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I wanted to see, or I kind of felt like I think I, my my screening procedures for online dating had probably gotten a little lax at this point. And uh, I think you could make some parallels with the general political climate, which you can decide for yourself at the end. But I joined Killing Kittens, and what resulted was the shortest 12-minute date of my life. I joined Kitt Killing Kittens because I'd been to an adult play party organized by a, a different group rather than KK and it was filled with um, ugly people and, <laughs> and um, they were all very nice but my friend and I who went were probably way too superficial to be there and didn't fancy anyone and I was looking for other venues for adventure and Killing Kittens does both online dating and adult play parties. So I was just seeing what was going to happen. But I was also lazy. So <laughs> I, I got an email from a boy uh, who was meant to be a journalist and six feet tall, and he loved old films, and he loved Hemingway, and I like all those things. So he said, um, I'd love to meet you for a drink, and I'd especially like to see your luscious curves. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure, let's meet up. <laughs> um, I don't have time to email a whole bunch. Like, you seem fine. And um, <laughs> so I go and I meet him and immediately, of course, he's not six feet tall and he doesn't look anything like the one picture he had put on the website. And um, he has a real eye contact issue, so he'll, he won't really look at you while he's talking to you. And I even I shake his hand when we meet and, and he says, while not looking at me and looking at the floor, I can see you weren't lying about those luscious curves. <laughs> and I just have that feeling that all girls do when you see a date and they don't meet your expectations like, oh, now what am I going to do? So um, we sit down and we start talking and he asks me about my job. And I say, oh, I work for an international charity. And he says, oh, I don't believe in charity. I think, well, should only be transferred privately between individuals. <laughs> and so, of course, we, a heated debate immediately begins. 
where I say, well, don't you think people who have a lot of money don't necessarily understand what the best ways to spend it are because they have no experience and, and the most effective social goods and, and people who re- are rich in like toothbrushes might decide their form of charity is massive toothbrush museums. And, and he says, well, I think that the only real way that when governments are interfering, you don't actually get results as quickly as you would want. And, and throughout, we keep debating back and forth. And I don't even re- really know if we're talking about like charity from neighbor to neighbor or within cities or countries or internationally, which is the, you know, the, what I work in, where you're talking about colonialism and free trade and inequality and growth. And so in my head as we're debating and it's not coherent and it's filled with these half-truth like little snap lines, I think, oh my God, I think I should leave. This is going horribly. We're arguing and it's been five minutes. <laughs> and, and I say, no, okay, just give it one more try. You only just got here. Change the topic and see how it goes. So I say, okay, well, what other hobbies do you have besides hating charity? <laughs> and, and he says... Well, I just became a full-fledged member of UKIP. <laughs> and I started to feel like nauseous. And, and I, I'm pretty sure I know what this is. It's 2010, right? So it's not, ex- it was like not the zenith, like the high point of UKIP's famousness. So I say, oh, I'm sorry, what is that? Just, just let me check, what, what's that? And, and he goes, oh, well, it's not the BNP. Don't worry. <laughs> I go, okay, yeah, I know it's not the BMP. And he's like, it's the Tory party for people who think the Tories have gone soft. <laughs> and I say, okay, but I don't understand why you'd want to be part of, like, setting aside all the right-wing stuff. And I, why would you want to be really into a party that's never going to form a government in this country? And he said, oh, well, you think power is about being part of the majority that rules. And I think power is about being part of the small minority the majority has to cow to in order to rule. (laughs) Which I started feeling even more nauseous. Um, And I I sat there for a second when he said that and I thought about it and then, and I think this is where being a Canadian really distinguished me from what a British reaction to this situation was, which would have been to sit there for 45 more minutes and then let him full on snog you in the street. I sat there and I looked at him and I said, we have nothing in common and I'm leaving. And I left. Yeah, you should clap for that. And I didn't pay for my drink. And, and I left and I got a text from him which said, I'm really sorry that I upset you. And normally I would just not reply to something like that because it just, you know, there's no point arguing with him, which I had just proven. Um, And, you know, I looked at my watch when I left and it had been 12 and a half minutes, this whole thing. But I couldn't help myself. I wanted to have the last word and I replied back, like, you didn't upset me. You're just wrong about everything. And you don't, (laughs) and you don't even know it, is what I said. And then I went home and I deactivated my Killing Kittens profile. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. I just, uh, everyone's gonna, well, I feel like I've been on a date with the same guy. Well, we'll have to discuss, we'll have to discuss that. Um, Why did you decide not to go on a second date? He kissed me like he was eating a sandwich. Grabbed my boob. (laughs) 
and then told me he wanted to come on my face. <laughs> Thank you for whoever sent that one in. Good. Uh, and our final, it's our final storyteller, isn't uh, it? Yes. So, uh, I can stand, actually. Why can't I? I can just stand. Yeah. There we go. Don't need, to, don't need to crouch in the shadows like some sort of deviant. Uh, I was invited here. Um, uh, your final act, speaking of deviance, your final act um, tonight um, is uh, a stalwart at Romantic Misadventure has uh, shared more of himself than was A, uh, advisable, B, necessary, <laughs> C, asked for. But it's well worth seeing, uh, and I would like you to give a huge round of applause as he comes to the stage, Duncan Viscat Brown. Okay, uh, before I begin, I will run down some key numbers that build up to the beginning of this story. The first one being zero, which is the number of seconds you are given after the question, are we going to break up when you go to uni before you have to answer? <laughs> and you certainly can't go, ah, because that, no, you're done. The answer, the answer has been done, and um, another part of that story from that night is that we did not end up having the threesome. We'd had a plan with her best friend after all. Uh, and the next number is five, which is the number of pages that the letter that said girlfriend then wrote me explaining everything that was wrong with me uh, shortly afterwards when we broke up. And she then came to my house and read it to me, to my face. Follow... <laughs> Followed by about, oh, about 15 minutes of silence before she got up and left, which, that's, that's, as far as I was aware at that point, that's the only way the relationship ends. Is there's just enough period of quiet until one of you leaves and then doesn't come back. Uh, the next number is six, which is how many members of my eight-person flat uh, came down with Fresh's flu in the first week of uh, university, which let's call it what it is, is a combination of scurvy and dehydration. And um, as a result, the sort of the mad, spermy, petri dish of life that normally goes on in that whole period uh, didn't happen to me for about six weeks. And having been broken up with just before I arrived, uh, there was this mad pressure thing. And I was like, I really, I really felt that. I felt, and I sort of... The first six months of university anyway is probably the loneliest period of your life because you meet about 50,000 people and you don't like any of them and you certainly don't have a, an emotional connection to any of them. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in my room watching videos on YouTube and the only thing I really felt close to emotion for a while was when uh, Universal had blocked the sound on a particular thing and I had to stop <laughs> mid-series and just fill in the blanks. Um, which brings us to our story. When uh, a friend of mine uh, who lived in the flat, a friend of his came over and brought a girl with him who had apparently been brought especially for my benefit, uh, which I didn't know about, but uh, she definitely was aware and was sort of on my lap before we'd even got to the union uh, where, where this takes place. And um, the thing about uh, student unions circa about 2009 uh, is they only really play two songs. And those two songs sound exactly, have exactly the same rhythm. So you've got either Mr. Brightside, which was still on regular rotation in 2009, and you had Sex on Fire, which was, was new to the thing, but they both have that... So the only real dance you can do is kind of that non-dance where everyone just kind of 
like this in a circle, and that's fine. Or the other one, where if you're like really drunk, then you like jump up and down on the spot. And if you're not, and you're slightly taller, you just do this and hope everyone thinks that you're jumping. So I'm doing that with this girl standing opposite me, and uh, it starts to get quite heated, and uh, she kisses me, and that's amazing at that point. I was like, yes, this is great, this is amazing. I'm drunk, and there's a girl, and this is what university was supposed to be like. And then another kiss, and uh, she's biting now. And that is, uh, that's great, that's nice, that's one of these things I've heard that other people do all the time. <laughs> And then she, uh, <laughs> and she bites really, really, really hard. Really hard. Uh, over and over. A lot. Um, and so I'm sort of bleeding. And it's quite a good... It's quite a good environment for that sort of thing. Because you're sort of... And also the other student union thing is you all... You sing along to every song for absolutely no reason. Which is fine, but you're like... This sex is on fire. And you can do that in that room. It's fine, because someone has apparently just bitten straight through your lip to the other side, to the point where you can feel enamel chipping at enamel. And um, after about, I think I put up with a solid 45 minutes of that. Um, and uh, we make it back to the, we, we go back to my room, because I've, I'd, I've had enough of that, but I hadn't had enough of whatever the wider implications were. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, we end up in, on, on, in my room, and um, like without the sort of the, the place for me to definitely scream in private, uh, I get about two bites in, and I have to go like, look, like I know this. It seems great. It probably is better when you're less drunk. Like it probably. I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to be bleeding, but like, could you not? bite any more of my face off. And uh, as she burst into tears immediately, obviously. Um, which is fine. And then ran straight out of my room uh, and into the hallway. And she was sitting on the stairs and I went out and consoled her. And like, I'm, I'm sorry, it's fine. You know what, come back in. And she goes to sleep and I sleep on the beanbag because I don't know. And then I wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning. She goes... Uh, her separate way, and uh, going to the kitchen, and my housemates look at me like, like, what has happened to you? You look like a Francis Bacon painting. Like, there is just like, there is a, my, my lips swole to about the size of a Malteser, like, all the way along for a while. And, uh, but the thing they were most concerned, they weren't really that concerned about me. They were a little more concerned, because the kitchen, had a glass door, and it was directly opposite my room. And they were a little more concerned about the girl who would run out of my room uh, crying with uh, blood on her face <laughs> at about one in the morning. And they didn't know whose blood that was. They didn't know none of it was hers. Um, and uh, I got quite a, quite a strong interest. Once they saw the wounds, they were sort of fine with it. And this, the, the main problem with this story is uh, it doesn't end there because uh, we uh, hooked back up again fairly shortly afterwards um, because I was just really pumped about how well the 2008 uh, American election was going and had a lot of extra built up energy and so does she and we uh, I know exactly what I was doing at the moment that he won uh, but I'm not going to tell you about it here um, 
And we stayed together again uh, for a little bit longer until uh, shortly afterwards when um, she got so drunk she punched me in the face. <laughs> Whilst during sex, it was a sex thing. Like, it's not dark. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for sharing that, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. So, uh, we have had stories tonight of uh, passing out, travel lodges, UKIP, uh, and biting and punching during sex. Maybe that has sparked a story in your mind about when you have had experiences of these things. Thank you so much for your honesty, basically. This is like one of the only nights in London I feel you can go to, sit in a room of strangers and just talk about everything and anything you want. So thank you all. Give your, everyone a round of applause that spoke tonight. Come join us for Tales of Escape on the 25th of February at the Exmouth Market Theatre with all proceeds to refugee aid and the Lehrer Solidarity Network. Full details at stories.co.uk. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.